behalf of ADI Hyderabad, we welcome you to Design Stories, a series of webinar and live events aimed at discovering successful designers and engaging with them to discuss their bittersweet journeys towards being all successful. ADI is a network representing professional interests of the Indian design community, creating a meaningful interface between design professionals, people as users, the industry, education institutions, students, and policymakers. My name is Akhil Karanam. I'm the head of industry outreach at ADI Hyderabad and your host for the uh, meeting today. Before we start today's session, we'd like all of you to take a quick poll to help us understand the demographics of the attendees better. Anshu, can, I, uh, can you please fire up the polls? Please select an option and press on submit. Yeah, so since all the attendees know briefly who today's speaker is, and uh, since the event is called Design Stories, I thought it is only fair that we be narrated to the adventures and the heroic deeds of the design journey right from the very beginning by the protagonist himself. So now you can take over from me and for a dramatic effect, let me in a cheesy baritone try and give you a kickstart. Long, long ago in the misty, beautiful land of Sikkim, a boy was born. His parents named him Sonam Tashi Kalsen. Sonam went on to become a hero in the field of design and made great strides. One day, he was invited by a design Illuminati outfit called ADI Hyderabad to tell the world his marvelous tales of art, design, sustainability, and a few true stories of evil creatures like clients, payments, deadlines. And he started off by saying, yeah. So over to you, Sonam. Please introduce yourself and let us know what wow. you Wow, Akhil, I had no clue this was going to happen. But, <laughs> but yeah, thank you for the wonderful introduction. I mean, uh, I don't know about heroic stuff, uh, you know, but uh, definitely our journey has definitely had a lot of collaboration with definitely a lot of heroes and heroine in the whole journey uh, because uh, uh, the design the journey of design itself in India is very tough. It has been very challenging for the past uh, since independence. Uh, what we have done is we kind of kind of like spread the challenges further towards the uh, Himalayas. Uh, uh, there, there weren't much, uh, you know, attention in terms of design integration or design uh, in terms of investments in design that ways. So uh, <clears throat> my journey started with again. It wasn't just me. I think uh, uh, anything about collaborations or working in such uh, uh, scenarios is not one person's work. You know, you one cannot really uh, do this thing alone. Um, there was a lot of people who were part of this journey. But amongst them, the founders were uh, Tenzing Ninze, Kamapalzo, Ranveer, uh, and uh, myself. So we kind of like, uh, uh, you know, were from different backgrounds, you know, from like communications, industrial design. I myself have been trained as an industrial designer from National Design uh, Paldi. So I kind of like uh, got back to Sikkim sometime around 2000. Uh, six, seven, uh, you know, due to some personal reasons, then I just kind of like, you know, got really fascinated with what the possibilities of uh, starting a design studio here. So kind of like uh, brainstorm with all my other colleagues uh, who are working in different uh, cities, you know, some, uh, one was in Delhi, other was in Bangalore, Bombay. So we just kind of like, you know, got together and like, uh, you know, started the design studio in 2008 as Street. So then uh, the idea at that time was to kind of like work with uh, different uh, uh, kind of government, uh, you know, sectors, you know, mostly in the development area, uh, areas, you know, because I think uh, somewhere uh, part of this decision was also because of 
uh, my late uh, professor uh, mp ranjan who kind of like you know somewhere was instrumental in mentoring me to kind of uh, you know uh, come back to sikkim and start something here rather than you know uh, finding out scopes in cities in uh, other parts of india uh, primarily because i think ranjan knew very clearly that uh, design really needed to really spread out nationally you know to be able to have a national perspective towards design rather than having a very city uh, perspective of design you know so which is why i think i was pretty much convinced about what he what his vision was so uh, for us you know it was like a little bit of a initially uh, how do you say it wasn't really turbulent in that sense but then it took a while for us to actually for ourselves you know to kind of like first understand exactly what we wanted to do as a design collective you know so we didn't really have a vision in the beginning we just had an intent to work together on long term basis uh, all of us you know in sikkim you know that was the how it all started you know it's only in 2015 we started building a vision for a creative economy uh, mountain economy model uh, towards the ex- the entire indian himalayan Uh, range which is the 10 in himalayan states and two in indian territories so it took quite a while for us to you know uh, an experience to actually you know put that vision together so that in short that's the entire kind of a, a journey of ecostream but then we kind of slowly uh, diverged into other things also because consultancy was we felt that with just consultancy it won't never be able to make an impact to design so we got into entrepreneurship and we got into starting enterprises product enterprises where uh, uh, we started brand kola where primarily we work with the craft sector and we kind of like develop products uh, we basically also uh, kind of like we're building systems as to not only look at it as a, from a, a product enterprise point of view but the systems model point of view in the sense that how what do you do with the wealth that the uh, uh the craft community is generating you know uh, the income that they are generating how does that work out so right from financial inclusion to uh you know getting sorted out their long term plans as to what they want to do with the uh, income that they were making crafts so we we basically started diverging to various things so likewise my colleagues also we kind of like you know spread out with the portfolio you know karma salon started kuzu which is a textile brand and then tenzin started something called tapestry which is a souvenir brand for the himalayas so we kind of like started figuring out uh, uh, niche areas and interest areas you know uh, in those it does a creating our own separate individual uh, enterprises also because we felt that as a consultancy you know it's it's a uh you know you the all the evil monsters that you kind of described akhil in your introduction i think uh, that was not really allowing us to sustain you know well you know because eventually we felt that on a long term basis with such a huge team and ecosystem was growing from five people to you know almost about 30 40 people every year so it it just could we just couldn't like uh, you know make complete use of our creative resources so that's why we kind of started you know diverging into enterprise so in short that's my entire kind of a journey so if there's anything else you'd want to ask sorry sorry yeah so uh, what came across uh, my mind when i was actually going through your profile initially was that uh, 
uh, I noticed that you have an anthropologist, an ethnographer, an architectural expert, and uh, people from diverse uh, areas of design and uh, uh, you know other walks of life as well uh, in your design studio. So my question is that uh, does it, uh, since Equestream is a multidisciplinary design studio, does it often distract you from uh, focusing on a, a certain goal with a razor sharp vision, or does it, you know, uh, uh, help you in a way to innovate better through cross-referencing or borrowing from various disciplines that you operate? I think uh, the multidisciplinary thing actually really works out really well for uh, in our context at least, you know, because Sikh is a very small state. Hmm. And and the, the 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 most of the sectors that we work with it kind of like converges in different uh, you know sectors. So uh, one really does have we really do have to have that uh, you know multiple perspectives towards the solution, which is which is why I think the in the at the end of the day I think the method is not really where the focus is in that sense, but usually you know what the end goal uh, is you know the common vision is. Uh, right to reach there you know so, so at most of the times what happens is that uh, you know uh, we we start getting as, as designers we start getting an expert domain right which we exactly. not mean to get into like for example we are the architecture and anthropologists that ethnographers you worked on, talked about mm. we're not trained as conservators you know so we understand the process and value of conservation and why conservation should be done mm. We understand how we can design systems around it, how you can sustain the whole activity, but we are not conservators to understand exactly the nitty gritties of it, you know, or we are not ethnographers to understand ethnicity or how ethnicity is built up, you know, how right. right. So we have to kind of like, you know, collaborate at different junctions mm -hmm. with different kinds of people, you know, and, and that's has, that so far has been uh, one of our strong points as a studio that we've managed to be able to you know work with different kinds of uh, you know experts you know so it's, right. never, it's never it's not a very a designer's perspective into finding solutions right right it's a very uh, it's done in that very scientific manner that right so uh, I have a question from uh, one of the attendees here so so other here asks uh, your take on the role of Indian design with respect to the Northeast and uh, a more of an international perspective also. See, I think there is not the role of uh, design, but it's the role of the Himalayas right now, role of the mountains. Uh, we, we are just basically catalysts or we are probably uh, some enablers in, in some certain things, you know. Right. But, but the, the more main thing is actually for us is more about the concern that are there, you know, of, uh, from the point of view of uh, even if you look at uh, you know globally everyone's talking about climate change and you know, mm. and, you know now the global pandemic and all of that mm. uh, for us in the himalayas you know uh, it's a very sensitive thing between development and uh, and you know uh, and conservation conservation yeah it's very sensitive you know so we have to be very careful because the impact is not only downstream nationally but it's it has mm. global Thing because the Himalayas actually are, are that way is uh, so, so it basically looks at food security, water security, the mm. climate aspect of uh, things. So you have to be very careful about what kind of development <coughs> we're bringing in. And design has always been there, you know, as a as a thing of like you know, uh, if you look at the whole industrial revolution, uh, you know, if you look at the entire 
even in India, when Nehru started this whole thing uh, many years in the sixties, the industrial revolution, you know, there was, you know, it was very clear that you know that India needed that uh, industrial revolution uh, right. to jobs and you know could uh, push the economy. But for us here in the mountains, we have to be very careful about what we uh, what we are doing because then right now we're breathing fresh air, you know, fresh water is there, organic food great weather, you know, peaceful life. So we need to like, you know, so the, the the role is like, you know, at the end of the day, for us as designers is to basically have a very good balance between, you know, uh, conservation and development. And in this case, nowadays, what we are trying to do is that we are not keeping conservation and development as two opposite ends. We are saying that conservation is development, you know, so conservation has economic implications. And that's what our work is all about right right so uh, going ahead uh, uh, my i wanted to ask how how does the community say in the himalayas or in the uh, mountainous regions there respond to this holistic approach that uh, you as uh, uh, ecostream take you know uh, is it only from your side because you you think about it uh, with this kind of an approach or does the community there in general have uh, this uh, you know uh, conscience working all the time uh, inherently I, I think i think that was what attracted us right to come back here because in this case it's not that as as a, a, a you know we are you know leading people towards understanding these concepts hmm. the people already understand this concepts so we are following them in fact you know we are following right. a lot of community based practices which has been going on for years and years and years and it's just that I think what is happening is that, you know, over the years, uh, you know, this practices has been going on, or, but I feel that there's a little bit of wear and tear that's coming, you know, right. with the whole generation gap and all of that. And people are trying to understand maybe this is like very redundant or not, uh, you know, not needed in today's time and world and the priorities should be somewhere else. So for us, we are just kind of like uh, reconfirming, re-establishing those uh, notions and those uh, concepts because it, the mountains regional you'll find perfect uh, you know sustainability models purely because we have been cut off and we have been isolated and left to think for ourselves for so many years mm -hmm. so because of that we built our own immune system right we have built our own uh, uh, you know sustainability models yeah it's just that it's now because it, we are open to so much of information that's there outside to different medias we feel that there is something not something that's missing right. but it, it's not that you know it's just that i think we 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 are just getting a little uh, kind of worn off with the old systems and all of that and some right. systems need to go which are not really needed and required but right. there are, there's a lot of things which the community offers hmm. which at ecosystem we're just following them right. you know we are following right. them like spreading it out right now that's all right 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 so uh, how do you think uh, uh, the sta states up north you know uh, towards the mountains towards the himalayas basically uh, how, how do you think they approach design uh, differently from how the mainland of the country uh, looks at designers you know what's the principal difference that differentiates uh, the seven sister states uh, from you know how they approach design as part I, of conservation 
I think uh, from a point of view, design as a profession maybe not much. Yeah, but when you look at from problem solving point of view, then I think their approach has always been very hands on, you know, and a very community uh, based approach. Right. So from a problem solving point of view, I think there there are pretty lots of examples, you know, where there's been a lot of community initiated approaches, and you know, they are far ahead. Ahead of they are way ahead of their times, you know, right. uh, in terms of those designs and those models. But from a profession right. point of view, I think we are way, way, way behind. You know, because right. uh, when I say differentiate that is because then you look at the profession point of view, right? It has to somehow translate into some sort of an economic activity or right. contribute there. So right. that is we have not been able to really. We are way behind. We, we need to do a lot of catching up. But from a problem-solving point of approach, I think we are, and not only in the census. I think India in general, I think, hmm. actually has that very good, uh, uh, you know, problem-solving ability. You know, it, it's basically at a very micro industries level. You know, we, right. you know, in a lot of places, people call it jugar and jugar. Mm. innovation and stuff like that but i think it's a better understanding of the problem you know that people have and how they right. can solve those issues uh, you know in that context with the given resources that they have right 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 i request the participants to uh, send in questions if you have any while uh, we carry on with the conversation you can uh, send in your questions in the chat window so that i'll be able to put for them uh, to Mr. So, uh, yeah, so going ahead, uh, uh, do you think uh, the mainland is uh, able to borrow anything from the approach that uh, you, you're saying, say, Seven Sisters again, or say the Himalayan approach of uh, looking at design and conservation in any way? Or if it is not, then what do you think is the uh, gap that uh, needs to be filled in to bridge, you know, uh, divide that is? I think more than anything else, I think it needs to communicate better. You know, the interstate thing that right. is there, we need mm. to communicate better. Uh, because I think I think there is a lot of opportunities when you really look at interstate, uh, you know, uh, economic models or uh, knowledge sharing and all that. You know, uh, there are a lot of things which are uh, so useful and applicable in the northeast, but it's not really applicable uh, in the plain areas and in the towards right. the Right. Is on the largest, but right. definitely, I think when you really look at it from uh, one good learning that you really can have, and I think that's there, uh, you know, where you wherever you can find tribal communities in the plains hmm. or, you know, or any community based, uh, you know, uh, uh, organizations or you know, villages downstream. I think you will find that thing of the how they are very, very well integrated with. Uh, you know, um, their natural surroundings and how well they use the natural resources. Hmm. I think that's something which I think, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't say mainstream India, but the, the more of the urban, uh, you know, uh, areas of the urban uh, uh, you know, cities and all probably can learn how to use resources and how to conserve resources and how right. to value those things. I think that, that that thing, I think, you know, basically in the sense, what I mean to say is here we are very culturally, you know, religiously, spiritually, emotionally, we are so connected with our natural surroundings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the codependence is too much. 
You know, but isn't so, that a good thing in a way? It's a very it's a good thing. That's what I'm saying. That in the urban areas, mm. this this kind of codependence actually has to be more. Mm. You know, the I feel the in the urban areas it's very disconnected. Right. You know, it, there's not much of uh, that. In fact, the interesting thing is that you know uh, that they at times they feel the lack of it. Or they don't find it so they come to the hills and everywhere for vacations and to you know kind of uh, rejuvenate or you know reconnect right. with all that. But I think it's not really about reconnecting, rejuvenating. It's more about you know taking it back. You know, you know you come to the mountains, exactly. but you take all these good practices and great practices and you know take it to your urban environment and you know build those ecosystems also around uh, in the right. urban. So that's one thing I think uh, that the mountains can actually offer. Do you, the, think, do you, do you think there's uh, this is a case, a classic case of you know having say an inverse proportionality wherein say you you say that uh, say in Sikkim, uh, profession-wise maybe you could uh, take away a lot from how the mainland operates, um, and vis-a-vis the mainland not being able to be culturally rooted. And they, they them need to be taken away from places where people are more settled, you know, towards the northeast side. So, do you think uh, trying to uh, uh, you know uh, gain uh, trying to gain a ground in one part of it will you know uh, affect the other part? You know, uh, I'm I'm not sure if I'm clear. Uh, put it more clearly. Am I audible? Are you audible? I I couldn't understand the question. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that uh, you earlier mentioned that, uh, you know, a state like Sikkim, you know, it does very well in terms of conservation with its, with its attitude of conservation, the communities there, people there, the approach to life there in general. It does very well uh, in terms of con- conservation. But then when it comes to uh, the part of uh, being professionally as successful as, you know, the mainland, you know, that's where uh, there is a uh, lacuna is what, what you were saying. So if, uh, if you say the mainland needs to borrow uh, the cultural ethos of, say, Sikkim, do you think it will it, be, a, be a, a double-edged sword wherein uh, the mainland might also falter in uh, getting the profession part of it right? Or, we, or, or inversely, uh, say a state like Sikkim uh, going down, if it uh, going down in terms of its cultural ethos or the way it looks at conservation, if it tries to adapt something from the mainland. I think that I, 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 if I understand that, I think you know somewhere there's a there's a lot of like you know I was a part of one uh, you know uh, discussion recently on uh, Antox Master Plan and. Uh, a lot of people talked about, you know, uh, and before also a lot of politicians have talked about how to make the vision is to make Sikkim like Switzerland and, you know, Sikkim like Singapore or Sikkim like some other country, you know, which is, which has great economic model, there's development and blah, 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 all that. And then that's what I think the mistake is, you know, say uh, that you can somehow borrow some best practices and some, uh, you know, I think, but you can't replicate it. You, it has to be, uh, you know. Even if I, if I, even if I take up a, a, a economic model, say from Bombay, and you want to uh, bring it to Sikkim, uh, let's say you know, create a film industry or something like that in right. the mountains. 
you know, it's it's very different, right? So how the dynamic and all works. Although we may have scenic places and it may look like, you know, we can shoot any kind of a film out here and all that. But, right. but the films are not made like that, right? Mm. So somewhere down the line, I think what, what goes wrong is basically when we see something working very well somewhere, mm. we try to replicate the same model to somewhere else. Right. That's when things go wrong. The idea here is what you are trying to say is that you know we what one needs to really do is that you understand exactly how uh, uh, communities in the mountains have actually connected with nature, and then you find in the cities you find your own way of how you probably want to connect with nature. You right. know, it could, it could just be one pot. Hmm. It could just be one plant that you've been carrying from one city to another city to another city to another city. Hmm. As you keep moving on, you know, or it could be some one habit of not using single use, single uh, uh, use plastics. Right. Or it could be just this one thing about uh, how you would want everywhere where you want to go, you would initiate a community-based activity. Hmm. You know, whether it's cleaning up your society or your buildings or waste collection systems or something or other, you know. Right. It, 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 so the things couldn't be can't be replicated. You have to find your own way of connecting with it. But these things can always be looked as case studies and as examples. Got it. Got it. So uh, we have another question from our attendee Rajdeep S. So Rajdeep Rajdeep asks um, to he asked your thoughts about amalgamation of architecture, interiors, and mobility systems to enhance mountainous connectivity. Uh, so, using bioarchitecture to explore earthquake and landslide resistance structures. So, he, 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 he basically asks you about using bioarchitecture to explore earthquake and uh, landslide resistance structures. So, what are your thoughts about it? Um, I, I think, you know, I mean, one thing is that, you know, in the modernist region, I think, uh, uh, you know, we always had, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, the earthquake has not been a uh, recent phenomenon, right? It's been a thing which has been there throughout centuries and I think architecture in the mountains region have been built out of those experiences. Mm. Uh, not, not only from earthquakes, but from uh, harsh weather conditions, landslides, uh, floods. Bastards, yeah. yeah, floods and in invasions, uh, you know, from outside, uh, mm. uh, you know, uh, places and wars and many other things. So that way, is, I think we've always mountains region, like I said, because it's been cut off from so many other places too, is because of the geographic uh, situation. We ended up using a lot of our bioresources, mm. whether it's to do with the uh, nettle fiber or any natural fiber to make a clothing, right. or whether it's architecture, food, you know, anything you name it. Mm. So we've always used our natural resources that way. And I think. The, the problem is that, you know, that, that entire uh, knowledge uh, thing that was there, it never continued. Right. It was abruptly stopped by commerce. Right. You know, suddenly somebody landed up saying, let's just make RCC buildings, you know. Mm. And then you completely cut off the community-based initiative of building things together and using local resources, local skill, local knowledge to build. Right. You know, because it became a thing of convenience, right? If you had money, you could just buy those natural materials and just get people to build your building. Right. 
so it just there was a like a cut so uh, of course there uh, you know if you if you really start investing in a bio architecture and you know resources and everything i think we'll be much better off uh, in terms of uh, our our architectural needs and our needs as a city you know how we are growing definitely <clears throat> right so, Adarsh has here a question. Uh, Adarsh asks, do you think craft-based design has a commercially viable future? And if yes, what are the challenges, Spe specifically pertaining to craft-based products? I think uh, crafts and everything, I think it's, it's anyways, is, is, uh, it, it cannot be, uh, it cannot survive without a commercial uh, thing. Because you know when when the whole thing of uh, crafts and anything handmade started, I think it started with our own local consumption and a local need and a local requirement or a, uh, or a localized uh, requirement. But right. the point is that today, I think if you really look at uh, how take away the whole cultural and aesthetic aspect of crafts and look mm -hmm. at a more of a utilitarian application of crafts, right. I think. There, there is there is a much better uh, scope of you know building up a strong economic model and a commercial model and it right. has to do that because uh, the thing is that you know uh, how many craft artisans are known in the villages from their professions right like you know a teacher is a profession mm. a architect is a profession or doctor is a profession but a craft person is never recognized as a profession and right. the reason why that is is because it's completely cut off from the commercial economic model and right. when you, when you want to have an inclusion of commercial and economic model means that i need to have a sustained income every month yeah, yeah. that needs to go to the bank account and the bank at some point in time should recognize that as a clear source of income and should be able to give the person a loan yeah. But that's not happening right now. Most of the graphers don't have bank accounts. Mm. It's been it's, it's just because in the last 10, 15 years that actually artisans really now have a bank account because of the central schemes that that mandated that everybody needs to have a central account. Uh, oh, sorry, mm. uh, uh, like a bank account. Bank account. Yeah. yeah. Because until that point in time, it was all loose thing. No? You just give mm. them cash and then you know by the time that person reaches home. That hundred rupees become ten rupees because he's paying everybody that he's taken money from. Right. You know. Right. So somewhere, you know, it is never. It's never had a you know very strong hold as a profession. And we, I mean, there are a lot of organizations which have been attempting to do this over the over the past 50, 60 years, but we the length and breadth of this country is so huge. You know, and the complexities is so grave that you know eventually you know we started putting all the eggs in one basket and putting making one policy and that's where right. things are wrong right you know so uh, definitely it needs to have uh you know money the challenges are i mean it's from you know person to person village to village you know it's that complex right. because because you, you cannot take it like a factory system right you know you can't <laughs> take a factory system nine to five you work and you'll get this mm. Social systems, when you look at enterprises, social enterprises, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so it, it, those are the very challenging things, you know, how to kind of make it economically sustainable, but it can be done. Right. 
is there a homogeneity in the mountainous regions uh, with respect to how uh, you know craft is approached um, in comparison to how it is approached uh, in the other parts of the country i have yeah yes and no both i think you know because uh, uh, main reasons also is that you know say if if in sikkim uh, if you say one craft cluster uh, mm. if you define a cluster it will hardly be 60 people now the same thing if you go to assam and say one cluster you that one cluster will be not less than 300 to 500 people right if you go to karnataka madhya pradesh and all this bihar and other places one cluster will be not less than 2000 3000 people hmm. you know so sometimes what happens is that you know at the end of the day it's lead led to commerce no productions and you know wholesale and you know lot of right. lot of commerce is attached to it Right. so we really have to kind of really i mean uh, there are a lot of things which are homogeneous but there are a lot of times where we really have to innovate as per the situation right you know and uh, it's it's a it's a very complex thing you know we just been discussing this thing uh, there's an ongoing workshop in my office on mammocrass and mm. just been thinking because because the kind of people who have come here are all graduates okay you know, okay they all graduates and has been trying to understand exactly now how is that happening how this suddenly there's a there's a in, uh, there's an interest among the graduates to take up crafts right. which are mostly looked at from a uh, mostly the craft sectors like this very poor illiterate hmm. as a general you know stereotype yeah 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 but then we are now uh, you know getting like you know basically sikkim's illiteracy rate is very high you know and now the kind of younger generations who are coming are probably you probably get graduates and that's what i'm now saying that is this now a, another level of thing because then that changes the game again right you are getting more educated people into the craft sector means that there are the opportunity areas just widens up then right you know so right. yeah okay um so uh, there are a lot of students in the attendees today and uh, a lot of uh, designers have just started up or mm. want to start up so uh, what is your opinion or what is your advice to them uh, if anyone of them is trying to or you know even considering or planning to set shop in a place that is completely alien to them you know uh, culturally alien to them uh, like say sikkim or arunachal pradesh you know there's always been a complaint from the seven sister states which is in fact uh, true also that there's a huge cultural uh, cultural gap gap from the mainland it's 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 an ongoing complaint and it is as legit as legitimate as it can get so do you think uh, people moving in from the mainland designers and aspirants moving in from the mainland to these states to set shop uh, will will help in a way to you know uh, bridge the gap between what is seen as a uh, you know a cultural disparity well first of all they need to they need to get a thick jacket <laughs> Shawls and some really warm clothes. <laughs> so so uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, in general, I think you know when somebody wants to not only look at crafts for any design as a designpreneur, mm. want to start uh, on your own. My mm. suggestion to you is to not do it alone. Mm. You know, find a partner or you know, find teams. You know, and do it. you know with a team because it's as it is starting any design initiative on your own in india is still very challenging 
you know, as a freelancer, probably you'll be well off, you know, much better, you know, because you're looking for yourself, you're taking care of yourself. Right. But when you look at it as a, from an entrepreneurial point of view, where you're creating more jobs and you are going into this thing of creating more employment and, you know, creating a certain, you know, market value of your brand and of your thing, I think it's not one person's job. Right. You need to have partners to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, come together who understand each other, their differences as well as their strong points, you know, right. and say that, you know, we're going to stick with each other for at least five years. Right. You know, we can tolerate each other, not murder each other, you know, and can take in all the, you know, kind of feedbacks and all, then I think you should get into it. Because uh, when you look at design entrepreneurship uh, and etc., there's a lot of investments that eventually you know, mm-hmm. want to get into and then loans and all those things are there. And mm-hmm. that's all, all those things are a matter of trust. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to trust each other that, you know, each one of us can sit together and each one's decision, you know, can be supported mm-hmm. or, you know, or can be very rationally argued with. You know, if you're, if you're that kind of a person, I think you should get into it. Otherwise, you know, I've been uh, now uh, very careful about, you know, mentoring younger people because I think they have very short attention span. Right. You know, they want quick results. They're non-committed in that sense. They're not committed in sense not to work. They're very committed to work, but they're not coming, want to com- be committed into some sort of a partnerships or long-term thing and all. They want to explore more. Right. You know, travel right. more things, you know, understand more things, you know, mm. because there's sort of things available or, you know, all around that you want to try out everything, right? So with the younger lot, I think it's, if, if you're very well settled in, you know, one place, all of you, then go for this thing. Otherwise, you know, be very careful, you know, with your finances at this, when you start uh, starting off. So, uh, Adarsh asks, what is your vision for Last Ekim? So, the thing, uh, vision for Last Ekim is to, you know, create capabilities and capacities in the Himalayan belt. Right. You know, what I mean to say that is that, uh, you know, when you look at now, when I say the creative modern economy model, it's not only related to uh, 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 the craft sector. You know, it's related to music, related to all sorts of creative activities. Right. No, see, in a in a uh, in the mountainous regions, no, we wake up with you know beautiful aesthetics. Right. You know, the, even even mm. if you see a foggy day, and all you find beauty in it. Mm. You know, or mm. something or the other, we call, are surrounded by some great aesthetics. Mm. So what happens is naturally everybody becomes very very skilled in something or the other. If you look at right around the time when Indian Idol has started, or any of those reality TV singing. Right. The top 10 guys are all from the mountains. Which is a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. So I, I think it's that's that's also one of the reasons why I think you know the modern regions, I think you have that you know capacity, uh, sort of capabilities. Now we have to build the capacities around it. Right. You know, right. We have to see, you know, what kind of creative platforms can be created. To, to kind of like uh, for these different individuals to you know grow, mm. so that's what last focus has been right now, for, or right. will be in the next you know 15, 20 years. Right. 
can you can you tell us a little bit uh, uh, about your uh, tea brand the tea brand yes yeah so what happened was that uh, you know i in between i just figured out that you know just kind of like concentrating on bamboo products in itself not really work out so uh, what was happening is in sikkim uh, you know it's one of the uh, you know best tourism destinations uh, you know not only in india but in the world so there the tourist thing is growing and growing and growing and right. with that, you know a lot of waste was being created uh, to packaging and uh, uh, and there was another so that was the problem area there's an opportunity area was that uh, that you know the tourists would really you know take most of the things uh, as souvenir as tea a look temiti is a very well known brand and is a very good uh, tea right so a lot of people would take away you know tea packets with them right so that's when i figured out that that's already a selling product so we started uh, collaborating with the tree growers with the government of sikkim and we bought tea from them a certain quantity right. and kind of integrated that into my tea brand called tea which basically right. has zero waste packaging in the form of a bamboo basket or a okay. container so okay. that container can be used as a, you know once a tea is done can be reused as a you know to keep uh, your accessories or jewelry for women or your stationeries it can also be used as a tea stainer mm. uh, because of this the, the weave of the bamboo is such that you know you could use it for to stain uh, strain tea and they're like tend to know the use so basically we introduce zero waste packaging to the tea brand so yeah so that's that's tea how how big is the presence uh, all over the country so of the available to people yeah of the tea brand so it's a single estate uh, tea thing and also the the area cover is not much but it basically you know mostly most of the auction tea is all uh, you know sold uh, abroad mm. so it's not really there there in the, in the because there's a certain small percentage of it is actually available for retail so right. you don't really get so much outside but uh, if you see uh, most of the sikkim tea is by, bought by all european uh, brands and they, they kind of like you know take the tea and put it in repackage it yeah packaging and then sell it off so bhumika sakhadia here has an interesting question uh, she asks do the toddlers or the super young ones in your region relate to the natural environment uh, the culture the craft the skills in a specific way because uh, she says we are seeing a lot of second and third generation craft families Uh, move away from their existing businesses so yeah i think uh, that that is a global phenomenon right so mm. uh, it's, it's happening in sikkim also i can't deny that mm. I, i feel that somewhere i think uh, i i have a lot of hope with the younger generation now you know mm. uh, purely because i've probably seen some really good examples right of, uh, you know initiatives and they and most of these guys are actually very good it's just that i think they uh they they can't sustain the interest area for far too too long right it's just because they get bored too easy so but i feel that you know um, uh, that uh, i think if i had to bet my money out or bet my money on the younger lot you know because i i feel that you know that this lot will is has the ability to think right 
you know it's just that i think decision making and many other things i think that is where i think they need to kind of like pull up the socks but i think they have great thinking abilities you know they can rationalize things they can't they are not the guys who will be like you know taken away by just hearsay or somebody's telling them or mera koi uske kaan phuk dega you know they question things and i i like i like that about the you know because i think the for, from a design point of view from a problem solving point of view that's the fundamental thing that you need to do right right so i i i i feel that you know while there's a lot of speculations about how these generations are but i think you know, i'm very hopeful it's it's a very interesting paradox to keep a watch at this point you know yeah uh, younger generation absolutely yeah, yeah. so uh, snehal here asks um, hey sonam great greatly inspiring journey what scope or interaction uh, intersection do you see of digital or ux design in eco stream and mountain economy i think we already doing that you know uh, we 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 had uh, uh himadri uh, patel from nid amdavad she had come and we worked on a uh uh app for ui ux project and we have worked on a app for uh healthcare systems for the mountains regions right. uh, because most of this uh, regions and actually they still don't have access to uh healthcare is not because the government are not doing much is just that geographically it's becomes very difficult for anybody to you know, access them and right. it, it's a it's a also a, a thing of like you know uh, mostly the is like the preventive healthcare systems which actually are failing mm-hmm. you know? and, and that needs to be in check so we developed a product which actually was looking at that so ui ux and ai all those things in fact we are looking at ai interventions craft also you know in handicrafts and crafts and all those things also we are uh, we are trying to see uh, where where the what the role of crafts is in in, in the form of ai you right. know how can these things actually can be integrated because the thing is that ai and all this machine learning many of these things actually have not been understood well it's just been like you know again stereotype mm-hmm. So we are exploring all of those things, yeah. Right, right. So that brings us to the uh, next question. Uh, Anna asks, as a designer working with craftsmen, uh, that are what are some of the major challenges you face? You know, how how did the how do the craftsmen respond to the idea of working with designers in your case? I think uh, the major challenge is actually trust. You know, uh, they, whether they really trust you that. uh that you know by this collaboration they can actually see a future right you know because it's never in, we have never done this process before no? so we don't there's no example already that you know the successful model hmm. so there is a lot of this trust issues you know in in the sense that you know whether sticking with this model whether i'll be successful i'll be able to send my children to uh, uh really good uh give them good education give my mm-hmm. parents good healthcare facilities we'll be able to you know uh meet up with my aspirations or not you know that's what the thing and the other challenge is that that most of these artisans actually they have stopped dreaming mm-hmm. you know they feel that you know our reality is this mm-hmm. let's just be happy with whatever is coming our way and you know this is good for surviving so they've stopped dreaming in the sense they've stopped right. thinking that you know i 
I dream that one day I'll have this, 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 this. Right. right. So somewhere at the end of the day, I think, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's very, very challenging to convince uh, somebody, uh, uh, you know, that just by doing what they're doing right now, right. Would, uh, uh, would basically like end all of us in a very good, uh, you know, future. Yeah, because I myself, when I'm doing that, I, all, all I can have, do is I can have some self-belief and confidence in what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Right. But beyond that, I can't really, really, you know, make somebody, you know, you know push them into believing me, uh, that this can happen. Hmm. So hmm. that's one challenging thing because it's a, it, design in itself is a people-centric kind of thing. It's a very social thing, right? Right, right. So in today's time and age, trust is one thing which is very rare. You know? Right. There's always this doubt, you know, maybe he's cheating, maybe he's doing this, maybe he's just using me to do something. So that thing, you know, it's, it's a very complicated uh, thing, you know, the human relationships that are there. You know, if, if, it was, if I was a boss and I had to say, okay, this is your salary, make me this many things, then it works differently, you know, like a factory. Right. But I don't operate like that. But has it, has it become any easier since you've started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think every 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 day it gets better and better and better and better. You know, right. not not really the situation, but us dealing with the situation. Yes, it's worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> but we just get better at dealing with these situations because the, what happens is that we all are into it together, and then we end up coming with uh, some solution or the other. Right. No? So there's no one permanent solution to it. You know, you have to work on it every day. Mm. And we will, of course, we'll reach, you know, somewhere, you know, in a very positive mode. Right, right. Yeah, so uh, finally, Sonam, uh, I was going through your profile again. Um, I got to know that you started this initiative called uh, Working from the Himalayas. Mm. Uh, all through last year, while we were all stuck between four walls in, in a big room or a small room in whatever size <laughs> Room, we were able to manage ourselves to get in. Uh, uh, you know, what is it about this venture uh, that uh, about this idea to start this venture that actually got you out to? So there were there were this there were this. I was just kind of like you know, uh, you know, observing what was going on hmm. uh, in within in Sikkim itself and globally also, right? I mean, the global pandemic, the impact of uh, it to the economy and everything mm. was, uh, I mean, well-known and well-documented and all that. Mm. Mm. But then I was just trying to understand that, you know, you know, very speculative kind of a thing, you know, trying to think, what if this doesn't end? Mm. What if we end up being in a work-from-home mode forever, you know? Mm. Professionals, the student community, everybody's work-from-home. Because I was very used to work from home scenario, people in the mountains, because artisans, everybody, they work from home only. You know? They've been working from home for God knows when. And we have been isolated and quarantined in this part of the world forever. <laughs> so these things right. were not very new to right. us. So my point was that, you know, now that, you know, the whole world is on the, in that situation, they understand that. That's uh, that situation. Now, what do we do with that? And in Sikkim, what was happening is that a lot of hoteliers and a lot of people into stakeholders in the tourism sector were suffering. Like mm. all the stakeholders all over the world is suffering. But right. in that thing, we saw an opportunity also where we said, okay, 
you know, how about, you know, you're working from home, but how about making home the Himalayas? Right. So, because all you probably would need is internet uh, and, uh, you know, electricity and uh, lifestyle. And besides that, we had clean air, clean water, great environment, peaceful environment. Uh, a, a, a government which is actually on their toes, uh, you know, dealing with the COVID scenario. Mm. So it, it was a, like a lovely narrative uh, script in front right. of And then that's why we kind of like started collaborating with all the hoteliers and all. So that like, let's say you had 15 lakh tourists coming to Sikkim last year. Mm. How about looking at about 22,000 to 30,000 people coming to Sikkim and staying for much longer time? Mm. You know, so the work from Himalayas started like that. You know, we said that, you know, let's create a co-working, co-living and a co-creation space where it's targeted towards freelancers and small startups and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, what do you call the student community. You know, colleges are not a thing, right? There's a design colleges and everything's all sharp. People in their final year projects are not being able to meet the vendors, make prototypes, etc. So we thought of, you know, creating those workshop facilities and everything, you know, and where students can come and they self, get the self-sponsored projects, you know, and they can, you know, figure out uh, things. So right. from Himalayas, basically, it started like that. Right. And we, we, we started getting people to come in. And, and the best thing about this entire situation, we thought that uh, we'll only be concentrating on hotels and stuff like that, homestays. Mm -hmm. But... Eventually, a lot of people started asking us whether they can, they wanted to move here with their families. You know, because, because mm -hmm. in Mumbai and other places and all that, no, the, the, the old people and all are, and the children, they are not able to go out and play in the thing. They are not able to do their walks. Mm -hmm. All that because of building society, may Sara trap was They were asking us for apartments and, you know, whether they can, you know, have an independent house where they can. You know, sit there because you know I was, we've got a nice environment you know right right we thought that why not just capitalize on that so yeah. work in Himalayas actually started like that yeah so did you have to promote it at all or you know the, because of having uh, millions of people who were famished like myself you know to be running around mountains you know fantasizing about breathing fresh air you know after say uh, 10 to 12 months of staying in a home you know you know, in a closed room, they wanted to get out. How has it been working for you so far, you know, in terms of crowds coming in? No, so far, I think it's been great. I, I think uh, it, we, we, we kind of like, you know, uh, uh, the government of Sikkim started to, uh, they, uh, they were very proactive in terms of, you know, starting SOPs and all for hotels and stuff like that. Then putting policies in place, safeguarding, because these things and all will even reinforce and make things much better for a lot of people coming from outside because then for them they'll be assured that there's a safe environment right yeah the way they can it's not only fresh air this and that but you know the pandemic is also being considered and all Absolutely. of that so they use travel cars they could you know there are a lot of interesting things that they're doing so because of which we kind of didn't release the website so mm -hmm. we had already released it on instagram okay we had put okay. up one post on instagram and suddenly we got a lot of uh, inquiries and we couldn't say no to it because we already said yes we are opening all that so we had to say yes to that and then we kind of like shut the entry thing for because now once this uh, uh, you know all this uh, government is very clear in terms of the SOPs and you know all of mm -hmm. that having hotels to operate in full capacity because right now 
it's it's a very limited kind of a thing you know it's, you cannot have jam packed mm. hotels you right. know so we need to kind of figure out a way where you know the whole safety aspects of the coal living uh, uh, you know uh, individuals are being well taken care of they back it shouldn't be like you know if say in one hotel they're like even in one case mm. then the entire hotel gets shut down right right you know so these things have to be really worked out well so that you know everyone's safe they enjoy the stay here they have a very productive year as professionals you know so that's what the intent is with the work with himalayas right right yeah so uh, on a parting note thank you very much for uh, uh, giving us a perspective as to what is happening in the himalayan region with respect to design with respect to sustainability and craftsmanship and crafts also so thank you for giving us time uh, we've almost spoken for about an hour now yeah. uh, it, it was a pleasure to have you uh, on our webinar today and uh, on behalf of pedia hyderabad we like to uh, thank you so much thank uh, you thank we thank you. all the participants for attending today's uh, design stories webinar with pedia hyderabad and we hope you've had some interesting takeaways from the session uh, for access to an year long engagement of more such invigorating talks webinars and live events pertaining to the various facets of design please become a member of adi if you're not an adi member yet do visit our website www.adi.org.in and become a member today our student membership costs just rupees 500 so that's that thank you everyone and uh, have a safe yeah thanks guys bye thank you thank you so much